Hey guys, it is Allie. This is Relatable. Uh, today we are going to talk about Israel, the significance of Israel to Americans, the significance of Israel to Christians, why the embassy move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem this week was so good and important. And we will talk about the Jewish people in general as well. Uh, then we will do a quick segment at the end. Uh, sorry that you're getting this podcast late today. It really, it, it makes me sad because I know a lot of you listen to the podcast on the way to work or to class. I guess class is out now, um, but on the way to whatever you're doing in the morning and I wasn't able to get it to you early enough today. I'm sorry. We have a lot of information to cover and it required a lot of research to make sure that I am correct on all of these things, which is why it's a little bit later. So regardless, I hope that you enjoy it. Um, by the way, by the way, did you guys like how I just gave y'all an intro at the very top telling you what we're going to be talking about today? Because I don't usually do that. I usually launch into like a rabbit hole story or something like that. But I was given some constructive criticism, some feedback about the beginning of my podcast. And that feedback was that I should give you guys an introduction at the start to tell y'all the topics that we are going to cover. Uh, the person who gave me this feedback, quite honestly, was just like really good looking and super attractive and really persuasive. And I also happened to live with this person to be married to him. So I decided to take his advice. So thank you to my husband for that feedback. If you guys are thinking the same thing, you can thank my husband, Timothy. Um, and so, yeah, here we go. <laughs> That's it. That's my intro. Uh, this is episode number 10. I can't believe we've made it this far, guys. You and me together. You guys are the best. I love hearing your feedback. I love hearing what you think. Keep messaging me if you have a thought. I know some of you have thought like, oh, I really want to message Allie about this, but I don't know if she wants to read my message or or I, I just don't want to do, I don't want to be weird. It's totally not weird. And also you might just be kind of like me and you're just too lazy to actually do it. I understand. But please send me your messages, whether it's on Instagram or send me an email or whatever. I don't usually check Facebook messages um, on my business page. So email or Instagram is usually better. But I love getting your messages, even if I don't always respond um, right away. Or sometimes I don't respond at all because you can't actually see all of your DMs on Instagram unless you accept them. So just FYI, if I haven't responded to you, it's not because I'm ignoring you. I love to get your guys' messages. And I said that weird, sorry, your messages and your encouragement and all of that. So Thank you so much. 10 episodes. Here we go. Um, in case you don't know, if this is your first episode ever, this is a podcast where we address political and cultural issues from a Christian conservative perspective. Um, like I said, it's Christian and conservative. So it, we're not pretending to be unbiased here, although I do uh, make a a, as great of an effort as I can to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Even though I am a conservative and a Christian, I'm not going to shy away from things that are uncomfortable or don't fit that particular narrative. Um, I want to be honest with you guys because I'm learning along with you and it really doesn't uh, service either you uh, or me if we are only telling half of the story. Um, sometimes the episodes are more political and cultural. Sometimes they're more theologically focused. Uh, just depends 
on the week. If you like this podcast or even if you just moderately tolerate this podcast, you should definitely go to crtv.com slash Allie. I have two videos every week where I give quick commentary and analysis on relevant topics. Um, I also post parts of these videos on my social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can follow me if you so desire on all of those things. Uh, you can probably just search Allie Stuckey on any of them rather than me telling you all of my handles. Um, okay, moving on. Like I said, today we are going to talk about the significance of a historic event that happened this week in Jerusalem between the United States and Israel. Um, President Trump in fulfilling a promise that he made during his campaign, officially moved the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, we will be the only country in the world to have our embassy in Jerusalem. Virtually every president since Truman has indicated that the U.S. should have the embassy in Jerusalem. Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Obama most recently all said that they wanted to, but they caved under pressure and they didn't actually do it. And there is significant pressure. Um, but Trump actually followed through, which is seen as a huge victory for a lot of people and not just people who voted for him. Uh, most Jewish people in America uh, feel that it was a victory. Most Christians in America and virtually all Israelis uh, feel that this was a victory. This is also just a big deal in general, no matter what your background is, uh, for Trump supporters to see him follow through on another campaign promise. Uh, but not everyone sees it as a victory. Shocking, I know. Palestine, uh, neighbors with Israel, they obviously don't see this as a victory. Uh, they've had armed protesters in Gaza, which is a strip of land surrounded by Israel, but is occupied by the Palestines, um, storming the border with these makeshift bombs and burning objects. Uh, the militant terrorist group Hamas that runs Palestine is paying these people to cause chaos and even take the lives of Israelis at the border or attempt to take the lives of Israelis at the border. Uh, but well, you wouldn't really know that. Uh, um, if you were reading any of the headlines from the media or watching any left-wing news source, they are all painting Israel as this aggressor, as taking the lives of unarmed, innocent protesters, pictures of women and children grieving, injured, dying. And of course, those pictures are put up right next to pictures of Ivanka and Jared, the Trump administration celebrating the embassy move and, you know, their nice clothes and their smiles. The point that the media is trying to make is, of course, um, that Israel and the Trump crew are cold-hearted, that they're cruel, that they're complicit in murder. Uh, the anti-Israel bias in the press is really stunning. I mean, it's it's really something. Uh, the UN Human Rights Council, who, by the way, is comprised almost entirely of people from dictatorships that violate human rights on a daily basis. So let's just note that uh, they have also condemned Israel for defending its borders against violent Palestinians. Uh, the U.S., however, and by the U.S., I mean, Nikki Haley, our ambassador, our UN ambassador, as well as uh, the White House, have reiterated that the blame for the violence in Gaza is not because of Israel, but because of Hamas, who has routinely incited violence against its own people in Israel since its founding in 1987. Okay, so that is the basic summary of what is going on. But the questions are, what the heck does that all mean? Who is Israel? Why did we move the embassy? Why does Palestine care? Why do Christians care about Israel? Why is America friends with Israel? Why are some people in America and elsewhere so ridiculously mad about this? Why is the media acting a fool? 
actually, you already know the answer to that because many of them are fools. Um, but I am going to try to answer these questions as best that I can. Now, I will say I do not have a degree in the history of Israel. There are people who have been studying this for years and years and can go super in depth, but I am going to give you enough information, I think, to be dangerous about this topic so you can go into work tomorrow and be like, wow, I'm super smart, especially when you talk to all of your liberal friends who think that they know everything because they read one New York Times headline this morning. So first question, who is Israel? Well, Israel was founded as a Jewish state in 1948 after the Holocaust and World War II. Uh, the world was very sympathetic to the cause of the Jews at this time because of all that they had endured. And the UN agreed in 1947 that the Jewish people needed a physical homeland, basically. Uh, there had already been a push for this about 30 years earlier in something called the Balfour, I think I'm saying that, Balfour uh, Declaration issued by the British government declaring Palestine home to the Jewish people, but it didn't actually specify the making of an actual state. Um, so the UN in 1947 created something called the Partition Plan for Palestine that made two separate states for uh, in the Palestinian region, one for the Jews and one for Arabs. Uh, Jerusalem, though, they made into something called an internationalized city, meaning that it was ruled by an international regime. And so it didn't belong to uh, either the Jews or the Arabs, since both the Jews and the Arabs consider Jerusalem holy for their own respective religious reasons. So it wasn't given fully to the Jews. It wasn't given fully to the Palestinians. Uh, the Jews at this point were pretty excited about this, but the Arabs, Arabs that were um, being partitioned were not really very excited about that. Uh, the Israelis declared Israel an independent state in 1948. So a year later, uh, the Palestinians were not happy about that. So there was war. Uh, that did not work out very well for the Palestinians. Uh, during that war, Israel took over land that used to be the Palestinians. And now Palestinians are really only in Gaza and the West Bank after lots of, of different wars and Israel taking over certain territories. Um, and Gaza and the West Bank are really small portions of the land compared to what they had in 1947 after the partition plan. Um, the Arabs are occupied a large portion of what was considered Israel, but that's not the case in, anymore. Now they barely have anything. Um, the Israeli military is incredibly powerful and they have been successful so far in securing what they believe, and I believe rightfully so, to be their uh, land given to them by God. Um, Israel today is the same location that Israel was in the Bible. It is the land God gave the Jewish people. So in claiming territory, they feel they are simply securing what is already theirs. Uh, the Palestinian Muslims also feel that there is religious and historic significance to the land of Israel for them. They believe it will one day be their Palestinian state. That is not looking too good for them. That's not working out too well. Um, because of that, there has been lots and lots of conflict over the years between Israel and Palestine, not to mention all of the other surrounding Arab countries uh, around Israel. In 1967, there was something called the Six-Day War with Arab nations against Israel, where Jerusalem occupied uh, further territories. Um, and by Jerusalem occupied further territories, I mean Israel occupied further territories, um, including East Jerusalem, which was then claimed by the Palestinians. Um, 
Um, so Israel took over all of Jerusalem. And if you remember what I said just a few minutes ago, that the UN had Jerusalem under international rule to force Israel and the Palestinians to share since they both see Jerusalem as holy. But Israel occupied East Jerusalem and claimed the city as their capital city in 1967. And then in 1980, Israel enacted a law that declared officially Jerusalem a complete city and the official undivided capital of Israel. But the UN condemned this. They do not recognize this law and they still consider East Jerusalem to be occupied territory rather than actually belonging to Israel. Uh, that conflict is why there are no embassies in Jerusalem. It is a tested city. They instead have their embassies in Tel Aviv, which is the hub for a lot of activity in Israel, uh, but it is not the capital. So in moving our embassy to Jerusalem, we are saying that we, the United States, are on Israel's side, that we recognize that Jerusalem is indeed Israel's undivided capital, not Palestine's. Uh, people are upset about this because they say we are supposed to be seen as some kind of unbiased middleman that could possibly help negotiate negotiate peace talks between Palestine and Israel. But the truth is, we are not an unbiased middleman. We are on Israel's side. Israel has been our ally since its founding. We were the first country to recognize Israel as a nation when it declared its statehood just minutes after its inception under President Truman. Truman was very sympathetic to uh, the Jewish plight after World War II, and one of his advisors, Clark Clifford, urged him to recognize the state. Uh, some say this was for votes. Others say he truly had a heart for the Jewish people people. We did go to war and win a war against the man who was massacring Jews. So we had already proven ourselves allies in that regard. And we've had a pretty strong relationship since its founding. Now, there was a bit of a riff in 1967, during the, that six-day war that I told you about, where the Israeli Air Force attacked an American Navy ship, the USS Liberty, in the Mediterranean, killing 34 American crew members. A lot of people are still mad about that. Uh, the Israeli government said it was an accident. They said that they thought the ship was an enemy Egyptian ship, but some people don't believe that. Uh, survivors specifically reject the claim that it was a mistake. It's hard, of course, to dismiss a firsthand account, but I also am not really sure what the motive would have been for Israel to do that. Uh, nevertheless, America has largely accepted Israel's claim that it was an accident and Israel has made financial reparations for that. They've paid us millions and millions of dollars um, compensation even uh, for the families of the men who were killed in that attack. Um, so we have, you know, we've reconciled from that. So our relationship has really gone on. Uh, we have helped Israel majorly economically and militarily, although their military is extremely strong in and of itself, which is part of why they are a good ally for us. Uh, they've helped protect and maintain our interests in the Middle East. It allows us to have a military foothold in the area. Uh, Israel has acted as a deterrent to Russian influence in the Middle East. Russians have backed the Arab countries who hate Israel. They are our only democratic ally in the Middle East. Um, Israel is a representative democracy. They are extremely tolerant relative to their neighbors. Arab nations are bent on their annihilation, uh, to which Israel has basically said, you know what, join the club. 
nations have literally been out to obliterate us for as long as we have been around. And it is a miracle the way they've been able to protect and preserve themselves in the region. They haven't acted as aggressors like the media wants us to think, but rather they have had to defend themselves countless times against hostile enemies. Um, Palestine specifically has attacked Israel several times throughout history. Palestine is led now by a terrorist militant group called Hamas, who was elected, I'm using air quotes, I use that term loosely, elected in 2006, but has been raining absolute terror on their own people for more than a decade while also provoking Israel. Uh, people around the world feel sympathy towards the Palestinians who have been so often displaced, and they should feel sympathy. It's, it's really sad what has happened um, to the Palestinians, but the blame for their plight does not fall on Israel. It falls on the Arab countries and the Palestinians in power themselves who have caused so much suffering, not Israel. And yet, that is not the story that we see in the news. Instead, we hear about how mean Israel is and how wrong the United States is in supporting Israel. Um, here are some headlines, just a few headlines from this week. New York Times, Israel kills dozens at Gaza border as U.S. embassy opens in Jerusalem. Uh, HuffPo, Embassy Day Massacre. New York Daily News, Daddy's Little Ghoul. And it's a picture of Ivanka smiling, looking nice beside a picture that they've superimposed on her picture um, of Gazans getting killed. NBC, scores dead in Gaza fence protest as U.S. moves embassy to Jerusalem. Um, another op-ed that I saw, U.S. embassy opening in Jerusalem is nail in coffin of peace process. The Guardian, uh, Trump's new embassy opens and dozens are killed. Daily Mail, bloodbath, scores dead, thousands wounded as Israel fires on Palestinians protesting over Trump's new embassy. <laughs> and then, of course, there was a press conference yesterday with the White House uh, where a reporter said that Israel was just firing indiscriminately, which is absolutely incorrect. The correct headlines should be Israel defends itself against violent Hamas funded protesters at border because that's what's happening. That that is what happened. They had mostly young men at the border in Gaza throwing Molotov cocktails, which are these makeshift grenades, other explosive devices, burning kites with swastikas on them, throwing these things into Israel from Gaza. And, and, and what? What? Israel was just supposed to stand there? They're supposed to do nothing? I mean, I would really love to know the suggestions. I would really love to hear, to hear what the people who are condemning Israel recommend. For Israel to have done? Should they have allowed their military to be possibly killed, their border to be stormed? Is that the right thing to do if you're defending your border? Um, an NPR correspondent in Gaza asked one of the Palestinians why he had a swastika on the kite he was throwing. And the guy who was throwing it said, uh, the Jews go crazy when you mention Hitler. And the correspondent, Steve Inskeep, said, well, you know, they're just they're just using the kites with the swastikas on it uh, against you guys. <laughs> so... He's trying to protect the guy and change the narrative, uh, basically, uh, basically to do this. This doesn't fit with my story that you Palestinian protesters mean well. And the guy goes, he he responds to Steve Inskeep and goes, it's what we mean. We want them to burn. So they're they're not even hiding it. They're being very clear that they are trying to provoke Israel. And yet. The mainstream media is doing PR for the terrorist group that is funding these people in Gaza. <laughs> and just in case we had any doubt 
that it's the Palestinians that are bloodthirsty, or some of the Palestinians, not all of them. Hamas, the Islamist fundamentalist terrorist group that runs Palestine, is using Palestinians as human shields at the border to cause chaos. But Israel is the one who's evil, right? Israel acting in self-defense is to blame here. Okay, gotcha. I mean, you guys should really see the tweets on this. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how people allow themselves to be deceived. How many people buy this garbage? Uh, Linda Sarsour, of course, the anti-Semitic leader of the Women's March who speaks out for uh, Palestinian uh, liberation in Palestine, said that the embassy move... Um, is a sad day, that it represents a very sad, depressing day. Uh, If you are on the side of an outspoken anti-Semite, which she is, you are probably on the wrong side. Uh, The point in all of these headlines that we're seeing, though, in all of these tweets is, of course, to not just blame Israel, but also to make it seem like Trump and his team are heartless, are cruel, hate Muslims, or even enjoying the killing of Palestinians. Uh, Journalists are saying that this takes peace off the table. But newsflash, peace was never on the table while Hamas was attacking both its own people in Israel. Uh, Defending Palestine it, it really just fits in with the media's narrative that Trump is an evil dictator who enjoys bloodshed. But quite frankly, it, it's more than that. Their, their bias is more than that. It's deeper than that. There has been an anti-Israel bias, a deep-seated anti-Israel bias in the media and on much of the left for a long time. Uh, when Israel actually became powerful, when after the Six-Day War in 1967, it was obvious that Israel was actually a force to be reckoned with, when it was obvious under LBJ that America was giving preferential treatment to Israel rather than to our other Arab allies in the in the region, when it was obvious that we were heading towards a representative democracy, uh, that, we were, that Israel was looking more like a Western state rather than adopting socialism, then of course the mainstream left began to turn on them. They were were seen as the aggressors. America was seen as wrong for sticking by them. Um, and not just the left, by the way, to be fair, but also many on the right, specifically the alt-right and some libertarians are very anti-Israel or at least anti-American support of Israel. Uh, they believe that we shouldn't be hoisting them up financially, that we need to focus our efforts here. Now, the alt-right just doesn't like Jewish people. Uh, They think that they control everything and are out to destroy the world. Libertarians want us to basically be isolated and to focus on our own country. Uh, But those who defend Israel believe that they are a strategic ally, that they protect our interests. They protect the Middle East against Russian interests. Many conservatives believe that um, anything we can do to help out a representative democracy in the Middle East is good for the world. They see us as a beacon of liberty the way that Ronald Reagan famously did and believe that it's our job to spread it as much as we can um, and support it as much as we can. And then, of course, some people think presidents support Israel to win the Jewish vote. I'm not sure about that because Jews typically vote Democrat and it is usually not always, but usually conservative presidents who are bigger advocates of Israel. So I'm not really sure about that one. Um, But of course, there is a non-political aspect of this as well for us Christians um, and for Jews. Uh, For Jews, it's pretty obvious. Israel is their historic homeland. It is the land God promised to the Jewish people. It was theirs before the Muslims tried to claim it. It is important to us Christians because it was and is the land of the Jewish people. And also for us, because Jesus spent his life there, uh, the Bible makes very clear that God will bless the friends of Israel. 
Genesis 12, 3, God tells Abram, the father of Israel, the eventual father of Israel, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, I mixed up the <laughs> a couple versions there, but that's the one I know in my head. Uh, but the point is clear. If a nation is smart... They are going to turn, they are not going to turn their backs on Israel. Uh, Dennis Prager has a piece on this for National Review where he lists some of the nations that have abandoned or gone against Israel and what happened to them. Um, well, first of all, things didn't really turn out well for the Egyptians and it didn't really turn out well for the Babylonians either. Uh, Spain expelled Jews in 1492, used to be a major global power, and then they soon became completely irrelevant. The Germans suffered death and defeat in World War II and their nation was divided for the next 50 years after that. Um, half of the country suffering under communism. The Arab countries that really hate the Jews the most are some of the worst, most war-torn, most chaotic countries in the world where people are getting murdered every day by dictatorial regimes, which which, uh, like, we just got to say, by the way, it should really make you wonder, why is it that Christian nations and Jewish nations seem to be the most tolerant and seem to work really well, but countries that are run by Islam are always torn apart by violence and chaos? It's really interesting. Um, America has always supported Israel, but America has been seemingly more blessed than any other country that has ever existed. No, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I'm not saying that uh, we don't have suffering. I'm not saying that we are loved by God more. But I do believe that because of our partnership with Israel, God has continued to protect and preserve America. And that belief points back to the promise that God made to Abraham. Um, many Christians and, and Jews see the establishment of Israel as the fulfillment of God's promise to Moses in Deuteronomy uh, 31 through 5. Verses three through five of that say, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, gathering you again from all the peoples among whom the Lord your God has scattered you. Even if you are exiled to the ends of the world, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land that your ancestors ancestors possessed and you will possess it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. People have also been referencing uh, Psalm 137.5 that says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. But I do think it's important to actually know the context of that. Uh, the psalm is a community lament of Babylonian captivity. Verse 1 of the chapter says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept, which is a very famous verse. It was referenced by T.S. Eliot in The Wasteland, one of the greatest poems of all time. Um, this chapter is lamenting the suffering Israel was enduring. Apparently, the Babylonian wanted the Israelites to play their songs of worship. Uh, they call them songs of Zion. But the writer of this psalm saw it as a horrific and disrespectful request and equated doing that to forgetting Jerusalem, something that he never wanted to do. Um, also, verses 7 and 8 are, are referenced a lot. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Um, Edomite is really a general reference to all who hate Israel and specifically Babylon had been the ones carrying out violence in this case. And what we see here is a plea to destroy the enemies of Israel, which God did which he does, which he will continue to do. He promises that. Um, there is also an important eschatological, it's a fun word, eschatological aspect of this for Christians, uh, meaning having to do with the end times. I really 
right now don't want to get into dispensational premillennialism, postmillennialism, etc. We would need to do a whole podcast on the varying Christian beliefs of the end times, and we can do that if you guys want. Uh, but there is the belief that the gathering of Jews in Israel, aka Zionism, is necessary before the coming of Christ. Uh, there is the belief that when Christ comes to rule for his thousand-year reign, that he will rule in Israel, in Jerusalem. Uh, like I said, we could go into all that. I could tell you what I believe on the matter and what the Bible says, quite frankly, uh, which is more important than what I believe. And we can, like I said, if y'all want, but we don't have time today. Uh, so Christians care about the acknowledgement of Jerusalem as the city of David, as the eternal capital of Israel, rather than the capital of Palestine, because we believe in the Bible and that's what the Bible tells us. And we wouldn't dare go against that because the Bible is very clear about the seriousness of forgetting Israel and Jerusalem. Um, Christians and Jews who believe in the Bible know this. We know that the Jews are God's chosen people, that he will not abandon Israel. We, the Gentiles, uh, have been grafted in and are now through Christ also part of God's chosen people. But Israel is God's originally chosen group, and he still has a plan for them. Now, let's talk about this um, because I know that might sound contentious in some ways, but it's really not. Um, I've gotten into some arguments with some of my followers and uh, fellow Christians about this because sadly, there are too many Christians who believe in this thing called replacement theology or supersessionism um, that says that Christians have superseded or replaced the Jewish people as God's chosen people. I got in an argument with this anti-Semitic politician on Twitter about this and one of his followers are going after me on Instagram and I'm like look don't don't mess with this kind of stuff it doesn't typically end well if you haven't read your Bible don't try to defend things in the Bible that you haven't actually read okay uh, because the fact of the matter is there is no biblical support for replacement theology none in fact, scripture directly contradicts it. Read all of Romans, specifically Romans 11. Uh, beginning of Romans 11 says, has God rejected his people, Israel? By no means, for I myself, this is Paul writing, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Then going down a few verses, it says, so at the present time, there is a remnant of Israel chosen by grace. Then verse seven, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking, meaning that they failed to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And then it says, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, same chapter, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. And then, this is important, Paul says, did the Jews stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So, let's unpack that. Israel is still God's chosen people. That much is clear from those verses. He's not going to abandon them, but he has allowed them, most of them, to be hardened to the gospel so that Gentiles, you and me, if you're not Jewish, could be included. Uh, there's a current remnant right now who is ethnically Jewish but believes in Jesus as the Messiah. They're called Messianic Jews. Uh, most do not, but God says that there will be full inclusion of the Jewish people as we just read. Uh, that full inclusion, though, comes through Christ. 
No one can be saved without Christ. Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, not a single person comes through the father except through me. So God has not forgotten the Jewish people, but their salvation won't be solely because they are Jewish, but it will come through faith in Christ. Romans also covers that. Now, that's also where some eschatology comes in, when Jews will actually come to acknowledge uh, Christ as their Messiah. But the bottom line is that Jesus is the plan of salvation for both the Jews and the Gentiles. There is no replacement. Listen to these verses in Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. These are everyone, everyone who is not a, a Jewish person. This is who we were. We were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Oh, I could cry. That's such a beautiful depiction of what the gospel is, how it reconciles both Jews and Gentiles to God through Christ. Uh, that's verses, those are verses 11 through 22. I really encourage you to read that on your own. I mean, that's it right there. Through Christ Jesus, uh, we are invited into a story that we were previously not a part of. He reconciled us to God and adopted us to be a part of God's chosen people, not to replace God's chosen people. Uh, Romans 3, 1 says, what advantage has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision? He says much in every way to begin with, they were entrusted with the oracles of God, which is exactly, is exactly why for Christians, it is so sad and frustrating when we feel that Jews don't see Jesus as the Messiah. I'm like, how do you not see that he fulfills all of your prophecies, that he's the Messiah that you guys are waiting on? But we know that it's because of what we read in Romans 11, what God said and what David prophesied that their hearts will be hardened while Gentiles are being saved. Uh, Romans 10, 1 through 4 summarizes how most Christians feel about the Jewish people being separated from God. Um, it says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them to be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So. All this to say, Christians who believe that Jews are irrelevant, that they are no longer a part of God's plan, quite literally, I, I mean, you you might not have ever read the Bible. Like before you start arguing theology, I, I recommend that you crack open God's word. I mean, it's 
probably a good prerequisite. Um, This is why we care about the Jewish people. This is why we care about Israel. This is why we continue to be partners with Israel. This is why we acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, not Palestine. Should we have compassion for the Palestinians? Yes. They are also suffering under the rule of Hamas. They are people. They are made in God's image. Should we have a desire then that they be saved by Christ? Absolutely. But we are on the correct side of biblical history by standing with Israel and recognizing Jerusalem as the Jewish and the Christian holy city. So that's a that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot that I still didn't cover, though. We're only 35 minutes in. So if I missed something or if I got something wrong, feel free to email me, Allie at the conservative millennial blog.com. I'm always afraid that I got a fact wrong. So if I did, just let me know. Um, or you can message me on Instagram. But I hope that that helped break it down for you. Um, now, for my final segment, have you guys, you guys probably have at this point, heard about Yanni versus Laurel. I mean, I don't know what to do. I I don't know. I feel like I'm losing my mind. It was all over the internet yesterday. It's this computer generated sound uh, that's going viral because people hear two very different things. Um, Okay, here it is. Laurel. Laurel. OMG. If you do not hear Yanni, I think you're lying. It is Yanny. There is no L or R. I am really, I really just think that the entire internet is playing a huge joke on me. Like it's an internet flash dance kind of thing that y'all are all just playing a huge joke on me and that everyone just hears Yanny. I do not hear Laurel at all. Not one bit. My husband last night, he was the one who showed me this. He said he hears Laurel and I was crying laughing because we both thought that the other one was lying. I still do. I still think he's going to like come home and be like, just kidding. I hear Yanny too. But what I found out, actually, I did some research because I was freaking out. It actually is a frequency thing. So people who can hear higher frequencies hear Yanny, which means that we have better hearing, by the way. Don't want to brag, but I mean, and those who can't hear the higher frequencies hear Laurel. Um, Crazy, craziness, craziness. Let me know what you hear. I'm really interested. Okay. So that is all for you today. You guys rock. Would love for you to share this with your friends, to subscribe, to leave a five-star review if you so desire, or if you have feedback for me, feel free to reach out to me on social media or email me. Okay. Have a great week. Bye. (laughs) 